We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in to the this edition of the MPW Digital Post Game Show. I am Chase Parham. <laughs> here uh, with you tonight, LSU knocking off Ole Miss 45-20. to 20. Got a friend sending me text messages and gifs of all sorts of uh, negative things right now. Is uh, that's the kind of day for Ole Miss? The Rebels led 17-3 at what point? But that feels like uh, months ago as LSU goes on a 42-3 run past uh, that point of the game. Ole Miss amazingly had a lead at halftime, but that when that evaporated, that was uh, that was that, and it was all Tigers. We'll talk about. Kind of what it means, what went wrong execution-wise, what was schematic, where Ole Miss goes from here. We're going to hit all of it. We're going to talk, call Jeffrey in a second. He's on a little bit of a time crunch today. And then we will uh, call Brian and Neil and take your calls as well. So we're here with you for a little while. Again, Ole Miss uh, losing to uh, LSU 45-20 to in this one. The Rebels' first loss of the season. They uh, face A&M in College Station Next week, yeah, you're exactly right, Jake. I, it did not feel like that was enough for Ole Miss. It felt like they were going to win this this football game. They had to capitalize on being up, you know, scoring touchdowns in their first two possessions, um, being up 17-3. It felt like that had to really I- I- extend. Um, there's uh, there's no doubt about that. Tower, thanks for uh, for that. Yeah, this morning uh, went well, but after that, not so much for Ole Miss and the Rebels for. Uh, their trip to Baton Rouge again, as I said earlier, have some. You're gonna need some thick skin this week because whatever comes out, whatever ends up coming from these final four games, it's gonna be a week for everybody to kind of pile on, talk about this being, uh, you know, the Ole Miss they expected or whatnot. And again, how, what, how much of that's true, how much is not? Well, time will tell. We'll see that over the next four weeks. But for a team that had won a lot of games over its last twenty or twenty-one coming into today, you're gonna you're, you're gonna have to eat it a little bit this week. So just be uh, be, be be prepared for that. For sure. What's everybody drinking tonight? Are we doing are you doing, are you doing alcohol? I see right there. Anthony says not enough vodka. So we're doing some alcohol, eating some uh, some meal, gorging ourselves. What's the uh, what's the move for uh, for this one? While I'm calling Jeffrey here in a second. 
Give me one second to get this done. You would think I'd memorize his number by now, but I haven't. Diesel or bleach? Well, that'd be one way to put it. What kind of cow are you going with, Jay? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you, it, it, we, we talk about victory laps. Matt Piscana's going to get one. I mean, he was he was correct. I mean, you look at what LSU did to Ole Miss there in the second half, and so much of that was just execution on both sides of the ball, really up front. I mean, you look at LSU pre pressuring Jackson Dart, really making things uncomfortable for uh, um, for him, took Ole Miss out of its entire routine from an offensive standpoint, and then – from a uh... Jeffrey, how are you? I am well. How are you? I'm lovely. So hang on, I hang on. I don't know what. Yeah. Is that me or you that's still ringing? Oh, I don't hear anything. It feels completely normal on my side. All right, hang on. That kind of day for anything execution based around Ole Miss. Uh, I, I, I don't know what. You yeah, say if I'm on FaceTime or on my phone. Uh, I'm. You call me from your phone. Okay, never mind. Uh, hang on one second. Yep. I assume he will be calling me back. Yeah, it's just one of those nights. It's okay. We'll get to all of them. Just kind of hanging out. Is that better? All right. Now this should work. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, where do you want to start? Well, I mean, you give a little amount of time, so I'll get kind of right into it. You and I were in a text thread or a couple of them that were, were talking a little bit during the game, and... Old Miss, I guess let's start here. Let's go outside and then come more inside. What you saw from them today, how much of that was simply guys beat up? How much of that was schematics or mismatches? And how much of that shows that there is or is not a problem moving forward into these final four games of the season? Yeah, so I guess let's start with, I mean, how many other quarterbacks are they going to play that are as good as Jaden Daniels? And it's crazy you're um, saying that, think, but he was pretty good in both ways today. Uh, no, I think Daniels is good. Uh, yeah. I've always uh, – their their system in Arizona State was very stupid. Um, so, next week, I don't know, is, is, is Jimbo turning to the freshman? It seems like that that might be the case. Um, so – and then see after that. So Rogers will be like Young, that. It's Bryce Young, KJ Bryce will be like and that. Rogers. Yeah. So I mean, I do think, I think if you got a quarterback that can move, it's going to give them problems because the way that their defense is structured with like the three man front and using all those DBs, um, you know, you just saw today like they just had so many problems getting pressure because. I really thought, like, the game was defined by, you know, everything felt really easy for LSU post, like, the, you know, second quarter on, and everything for Ole Miss felt like a struggle just because 
LSU was able to get pressure, and Ole Miss was never really able to get any pressure. Um, and I don't really see that changing because I don't really see anyone up front that's just going to be, uh, you know, it felt like they were trying to, like, kind of hold the line of scrimmage, but they couldn't even do that. And, I mean, Chase, let's, let's be real. Um, Auburn and LSU do not exactly have what is thought to be really good offensive lines. No, and, no, no. and they they have the last two weeks, I feel like they've had their, you know, against Ole Miss, they looked really good. Um, so how much of that to put on scheme? I don't, it wasn't necessarily scheme so much as it was uh, game plan. Like, and I guess some people will be like, well, what's the difference? It's like, I don't necessarily think it was like, where they slanted, how they lined up. Like, I thought it, I thought the problem was, I, I just did not understand thinking that you could hold the line of scrimmage and play coverage against them. Like, you know, every time he got into, every time that he got pressured a little bit, that's when he started making some poor throws. I just don't know how you could sit there and say, let's, um, you know what the second half felt like to me, Chase? Um, it felt like the Alab- the first half of Alabama, where Ole Miss was basically just saying, like, we're not going to give up the explosive play, but Alabama just kind of, like, kept taking, like, seven, eight yards at a time, seven, eight yards at a time. And it, it just felt kind of like – I never really felt like Ole Miss could get off the field unless LSU did something – unless LSU screwed up. Is, is, would you say that's fair? No, I think that's completely fair. And I guess second, – yeah. Second half on. Yeah, and it's not really – I mean, you're right. I mean, it's not necessarily scheme, but what happened was Ole Miss got a lead and played really well when things were still being scripted. They scripted some stuff early offensively that worked. They they, they, they had some plays that rotated off what the plan was coming in that made a lot of sense, and they got up. Now, they need to be up more than they were. When it was a, a three-point game at halftime, that was a death sentence. But in the second half, this breaks down at exactly what you're saying, which is they couldn't get pressure on Daniels. When they brought blitzes, it didn't get home. And when they didn't blitz, they get they got eaten up for those mid-level yardage plays over and over and over and over again. And on the other side, LSU completely dominated the line of scrimmage, pressured Dart up the middle and off the edges, and disrupted everything about Ole Miss's offense. I mean, it, it is this wasn't as simple, or it's not as it's not as one trick as the line of scrimmages. But both lines of scrimmages went LSU's way in dramatic fashion the longer that game went on. And when Ole Miss plays the three-man front, it just gave so many different options for LSU to move the ball in multiple ways. I mean, and, and now look, do they not move to a four-man front because it's just the best thing they have going in general in their minds from a game plan? Is it because they don't have four down linemen to put down there that they trust? Is it because there is no Sam Williams? You know, well, what, what, what are the reasons for that? I can't say. But whatever it is, this is not working. No, it's not. And, I mean, you know, sometimes coaches kind of like to do this, honestly. It's it's to make you – it's basically uh, a move to, like, shut down criticism. And they make football a lot more complicated than it really is. And the reality is 95% of the game is blocking and tackling. And one team blocked and tackled significantly better than the other. And that team was LSU. I mean, like, you know, this to me, this kind of was the nightmare scenario for Ole Miss's defense because we kind of talked about it post game. Like, 
LSU basically had Auburn's game plan, but they had better players. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I guess it's fair to say Auburn, Auburn had better tailbacks. But, I mean, the other thing that makes no sense to me, why is Ole Miss, like, I feel like they are the kings of when a running back gets through the hole, like, they're the kings of throwing him an additional three yards forward. Like, instead of these games that could have been, you know, games of three or four, it's like they became games of six or seven, and they were just like, they were just constantly in a hole. So, and I, and I, I mean, I'm telling you, I've watched, I've, watched a lot, I've watched a lot of different teams play today. I do not see that problem. I see it more with Ole Miss than I do with other teams that I'm watching and other games that I'm watching. Wouldn't you say that's fair? But why? It's not coached that way. I mean, I don't think it's coached that way. I think the problem that they have is it just felt like they were on their heels all day. So either LSU was doing something that they weren't expecting or probably what is the more likely answer, I think Ole Miss is really slow on defense. And so they're they're always out of position, so you end up throwing people forward because you know you're 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 making the tackle you're making the tackle like out of position, and then, so you're just trying to get him down to the ground. They're also, and this isn't an excuse. They're also a thin football team in spots that still doesn't have 85 SEC level players, and when that happens, and Finley goes out, and even Troy Brown's banged up, and all these things start spiraling you're, if nothing else, a step and a half slower, which means more missed tackles, more missed assignments, and not getting to the place you need to be. And then that gets exponentially raised with the running quarterback. I mean, so it really just snowballs on itself once time goes on. Yeah, I mean, you know, because I had, I had a couple of buddies that were texting me. That they're like, you know, earlier in the year, they're like, man, uh, this, team, this team's going to win a lot of games. And I, I would always caution, I go, I don't, it's not that like I ever thought like, oh, this team's going to be a seven and five team, but the reality was, you know, basically, what would you say? They feel good about probably thirty five guys. Would you say it's fair? Oh, that's about right. I mean, I could, I could go through and tell you from a snap count standpoint, but yeah, it's somewhere in there, and that, and that might even be a touch high, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, like you know, with all due respect, and and his brother was a great player, and I'm sure the kid does everything right, but like. You know, Lane Kiffin's even saying, like, uh, Casey Kelly does not need to be playing 70 snaps. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, Lane, yeah, Lane said that last week. Like, you know, and and the trig loss is clearly a big loss. Like, you know oh, what I mean? Not that, I know, it, like, I know this could go down in the no-duh, and I'm not even – I don't want this to come across as me trying to, like, act as if, uh, you know, I'm I'm breaking news here, but it's like, you know, Ole Miss just doesn't have the depth. And that's kind of the reason why Alabama has been able to be successful as long as they have. It's like when you start to go into your two deep, well, they've still got tons and tons of guys. But now notice what we're seeing, you know, even with Alabama. Like, Alabama doesn't have the depth, you know, uh, that, they, that they're used to having. And so, you know, it's just a uh, – I don't know if – I don't know if – Ole Miss necessarily had a poor game plan. I think the problem is the game plan that they had, I'm not sure that they could execute it. 
And the reality is maybe when Fidley went out and when Brown went out, they had no choice. But it's like, okay, well, you know, they spent all week preparing a certain way. Like, you know, I, I imagine it's easier said than done just tossing it up and saying, all right, let's go get after him. This they got beat by twenty five points and got outscored forty two to three basically at the end of the first quarter. So I, look, it was not about one play. But did it strike you when Kelly dropped that pass on third down that that was that? I mean, even watching live, you go shit. They kind of had the whole serve right there. It felt like the only way to win was sort of to scheme this way into points over and over and over again. And as soon as they couldn't extend the lead there in the third quarter when they had to punt. After getting the stop to open the half, it felt like that was floodgates. I mean, it's not about one play, but I do feel like that was the most critical play of the, of the football game. Uh, I thought the most critical play was the interception. Okay. Oh, okay. Because you go down uh, and take the lead again. That's also, that's also a Casey Kelly situation, and maybe that's also asking him to do something he can't do. Like, asking him to be, you know, essentially the H-back just to the hip of the tackle and trying to protect the inside gap, like, I don't know, maybe he can't do that. And, and you know, I, I think we can, we can nitpick all we want, but, I mean, I guess the bigger question to me is, why does Ole Miss struggle? Like, this is, no, this is now, in my opinion, this is, no longer, um, this is no longer coincidence. Why do they struggle like they do in the second half to score? Because they did not score a point in the second half unless I'm missing something. I think it was 28 nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah, 28 to nothing. And it's not only just that. It's uh, would you care to guess? Would you care to guess uh, what they averaged per rush in the second half? I mean, it was low, uh, two six. Two two yards. Okay. So but Lane I mean, like, last week know, talked about you know spread teams and tempo teams and not being fresh because you play five offensive linemen. But that wasn't the case. So what is it? Why are they not scoring points in the second half? What's your, what's your guess? You don't know, but what's the guess? So my guess is they, they are very good at scripting up plays. They are. And my guess is, my guess is when, teams adjust, when teams adjust to what they want to do, uh, when teams adjust, they, they struggle to have the counterpunch. Well, and then, like, tonight, like, you know, I don't even necessarily think they didn't have a counterpunch, but it's like they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. And part of that was everything felt really hard, so it's like every mistake got, you know, you know, magnified. But, like, how many times did they have what felt like a big third down conversion and then there was a holding penalty, like, on the outside? Like, I know Mingo had two. Um you know, like those things felt like they just kept adding up to me. Yeah. But, I mean, LSU had a crap ton of penalties, too. Oh, oh I'm yeah, not, both teams. I, I didn't – I did not think the I, – I thought the officiating had no impact. If anything, I thought Ole Miss got a couple of calls that I'm like, man, that, that – that, uh, I don't know what the unnecessary roughness was that, like, kept that – it was like when they went down 11 – and they basically had a three and out, or maybe they had like a four and out, and then they got a 15-yard penalty uh, to like keep the drive alive. Like that, I, I thought they kind of got bailed out several times. Yeah, Alabama. But I mean, to me, the, the game. 
Go ahead. The big, the biggest, to me, the biggest play was the, the interception into the game because, you know, LSU didn't turn it over. And that did kind of feel like a game where first mistake, first mistake, like real mistake was going to lose. And I didn't feel like punting was necessarily a mistake in that game. I did feel like turning it over was a mistake. What's your take on what Kelly's just done with that team so far? Uh, I think he has – I think he has slowly brought them along where I feel like he was trying to figure out the guys that he wanted to play. And once he started to figure that out and get the combinations, it feels like they are actually getting better every week. Like and they're so, their last enough. two perform- Yeah, they still have good players. Um, and Daniels, like they have Daniels playing the exact way that Daniels should be playing. Like he is, he's not taking any real chances. Like I don't even remember. Was there even a throw that you thought might have, like, could have gotten picked? Like I don't even really remember head, Ole Miss remember. having it. Like I don't. Um, so, like, they're having good, safe throws. What do you finish with, like, 110 yards rushing, maybe more? Um, you know, like, they're running the offense through him, and then, you know, it feels like now they're starting to do more and more. Like, they're throwing more on first down. They're, um, you know, it feels like that they're getting a little, you know, that they're improving week after week. And so, I don't know. I mean, the other thing that this kind of, like, I understand you, it's really tough to do this, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I get impressed by Tennessee. Like, if you really think about, like, some of the tests that they've stood up to, like, I don't know, man. Like, maybe Tennessee really might be they're, – they're clearly not as good. Like, if they were to play each other, they're not as good. But Tennessee really might be, like, this year's 2019 LSU. Oh, God. Now, real quick, the, I don't the, think, actually, I the don't, worst throw he made was the touchdown because the Ole Miss DBs had yes, done a coverage correct. and were looking back. Correct. Correct. Yes, that was the worst throw he made. Yes. That's a good point. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think the top end of the sport is as good. Like, I think the 2019 LSU team is better. But I wonder, relatively speaking, if Tennessee might be as good. Well, that LSU team had a defense. Because this, this Tennessee team still gives up shit tons of points. Yeah, people, people say that. Go look at them yards for play. They're really not. Like, they're just on the field because their offense, their offense scores on like 80% of their possessions. Um, they're on the field, but like, they're really not that bad. Points per drive, they're like a top, top 20 defense. <clears throat> I mean, so, I'll, I'll say this. I have way more faith in Tennessee getting a stop than I did Ole Miss today. Yeah. I mean, what? really, we can, we can nitpick all we want. You can complain about the offense. The reality is the question that they have to answer is, this is now two weeks in a row where I have felt like when they needed to, quote, unquote, get stops, it was really, really difficult. Now, is that a talent issue? Is that a scheme issue? Is that a game plan issue? 
That's the question I think that they need to answer. And I mean, because only really, Tom, and only Tom's going to answer that. Frankly, next week. Well, like Auburn did them a favor. Auburn did them a favor. I felt like coming out of that break, out of the halftime thing, they like went to two minute offense with what was there like probably six and a half, seven minutes left. And I felt like if they would have just kept running their offense, they would have been fine. But like they went to the the spread, like it was like as if you know they had a minute thirty, no timeout, and they were trying to you know throw their way back in. I think if Auburn just would have ran their offense, I think we would have been we would have seen another similar thing. Yeah, because really the difference in the first half, the difference for like when Ole Miss went up seventeen three, like another key. Another key aspect of that was really Ole Miss, Ole Miss finished two drives in the red zone. LSU did not finish two drives in the red zone. But once it just became like a game about down to down, like, I don't know. I just – I didn't have a whole lot of faith in Ole Miss. So is there one of those injuries on defense that you feel like is more critical than the others to get them back? Or, I mean, is there something that, that is obvious going into the A&M game next week? I mean, I guess you have to say Brown, right, because he's their leading tackler, and I felt like the biggest struggle tonight was tackling. The fall-off, I mean, while Finley is a really, really, really good player, the fall-off is less than it is at linebacker when Brown is out. Well, I mean, look at how many times after Brown went out that they just went, like, inside zone. You know what I mean? Just, like, straight ahead. At least when Brown was in there, they were trying to like, you know, it was a little more, it was a little more like having to be exotic in the running game. It got really basic once Brown went out, and South Carolina's ran the kickback. Yeah, I'm about to flip over there. I was watching Oklahoma State, Texas, and then I had State. Yeah, Alabama so that game on. went from Texas, Texas up ten in the fourth or in the second half, and now they're just going to straight up lose. You're upset about that, aren't you? Yes, because I, I first, I, I was, I abandoned my guy. You really did. I abandoned him. That's on me. Like I, I, it's one of those situations where I'm more upset, not because I was wrong. I'm upset because, like, literally, loyalty should mean something in this in this life. And one of the guys that has been the absolute best to me the last two or three years has been Mike Gundy, and I just, I just abandoned him because I watched him give up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter last week. But I really abandoned him because I thought Sanders was hurt, and he's not. No, I mean, they, they played well today. Uh, are we learning more about Ole Miss's receivers? I mean, I'm kind of jumping around because I know you got a couple minutes left. I, I thought for the most part they got some separation, played well. The, the, the lack of protection and dart missed some opportunities – it was sort of that day where they had a chance to kind of do, you know, kind of get theirs plus some against LSU on the outside. Yeah, they had, today they, was, they had to today was Watkins a, open, but Heath and Mingo both had opportunities. Today was the classic um, opportunity missed because LSU kind of took the the Vanderbilt game plan. LSU basically said like, "We're taking away the run. We're not going to give you the quick." easy and you saw it was it was much harder for Judkins but that left a lot of one-on-one coverage and you would see this like even on the fourth down that was kind of the official end of the game 
even on that fourth down, Heath was coming open underneath. It's just he literally needed a half second more to throw it or to throw it. But I mean, that's kind of the my my question is: Is this offensive line as good as they're like? Are they as good as advertised? Like that's that's my question. Well, the answer today was no. I mean, I mean it, wasn't, it wasn't overly close. I mean, you know, we, we, you got the fewest sack thing, and it's relevant in some ways, but the run game helps the lack of sacks. Also, Dart does a really good job in and out of the pocket to avoid it, and their scheme is to get rid of the football most of the time unless it's off-play action with extra blockers. There are reasons why, beyond yeah. just talent, that the sack number is what it is. And now maybe the other, you know, I don't know how much does Evans being out hurt them. It, it clearly – it clearly – there's a clear drop-off between Bentley um, and the other two. So, you know, but, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think we could probably talk around all we want, but really what it boils down to is, man, one team, one team just looks physically dominant. Like, you know, which, which team do you think played better offensively? Yeah, it's LSU on both sides. I mean, right? Ole Miss played better on special teams, but it wasn't close enough to make a difference. Yeah, that was it. And, I mean, and honestly, may, maybe like they, you know, they they didn't miss a kick, but I mean, you know, I, I thought a big play in the game was that really shitty punt. It was like a twenty-seven yard punt, and it's like, man, that that uh, you know, that did not help. So, last thing, you're about to go eat. What is your early take on next week? Line and then game. We'll talk Thursday, but what are you thinking? I know you would like to see two and a half more hours of football right in front of us right now with Carolina and A&M. Yeah, I'd like to know if if South Carolina ends up winning this game. I mean, my guess is Ole Miss by three, probably. Somewhere between like three and seven. So maybe it opens almost three and a half. Okay. And you're going to get a steady uh, diet of A-chain over and over and over and over again. Oh, I bet he touches it. Yeah, I mean, provided he's healthy. I got the thing. Like, well, I I think you're going to – I think South Carolina is going to get a steady diet of A-chain tonight too. Yeah. Uh, I say that as as they've thrown it uh, twice in a row. Um. Yeah, I mean, don't you think somewhere like that? I mean, I don't know, almost three and a half, right? Yeah, I think that's probably fair, completely. You uh, you're going to dinner first I'm time a, at the new place? Yeah, first time new Iris. It's still not like open, open. Like that's going to be more in the spring, but they do dinner on the weekend. Okay. Gotcha. Well, if you see, so uh, we're 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 heading there now. All right. If you see Kelly, tell him hello. We'll talk uh, as the week goes on. Appreciate it, bud. All right. All right. Jeffrey Wright, Tim, thank you. Appreciate uh, you there in the uh, in the stream. Very much appreciate you for uh, that one. And uh, we're trying here again. I know it's a tough night for Ole Miss fans again. Forty-five twenty LSU over the Rebels in this one. Yeah, watching South Carolina and Texas A&M right now. As we said, South Carolina runs back the opening kickoff. They're up seven nothing. And now has a pick that is getting. Housed, almost, out of the five-yard line. 
So, wow. Um, Carolina has A&M absolutely on the heels right now in this one. Yeah, I mean, Zarek, you make a good point. Um, there's nothing about that. Injuries have limited the peak of the team. I, I think that is fair. That they, going into the year, or even three weeks ago, two weeks ago, last week, held today, there were certain guys who couldn't get hurt, or at least that would affect things because of the fall off to whatever the next man was. I mean, Neil and I have talked about it on air, off air, all over the place, and we've got to change the way we do things in August because we talk about all this depth and all these guys. And A, I think we have different, I, th- I think we've had to redefine what depth means really under Lane Kiffin and in college football in general. And then we can't fall for what, what has been a trap because Ole Miss is not playing a lot of guys. And it's not, depth has never been about, hey, look, these Ole Miss is going to play 45 guys on defense and 45 guys on offense, and you're going to do all this different stuff. That, that That's not ever been what depth is, especially in, in tempo games where you don't allow substitutions unless you substitute you know, the offense, if they're a tempo offense, whatever's out there to start the series, that's what's going to be out there the whole time. I mean, it's it, it's nonsensical. What depth means that if somebody gets hurt, the next guy is not a huge fall off. And Ole Miss has not, not shown that um, at all. Yeah, LSU did rush to some extent. Clemson rushed today, and I don't understand that at all. Clemson rushing the field after beating Syracuse when they won like 37 in a row or something like that at home. I mean, it, it is... It's asinine. It just makes no sense. Let me call Brian real quick, see what he thinks, and then we'll uh, we'll take some of your calls. We'll get Neil on the horn whenever he's available. I don't really know what his uh, his time frame is, but that's okay. It's going to be all right. Uh, I, I've got no word on Finley as far as what that looks like. You guys will probably get something on that before I do. Um, I'm obviously not listening to – the post game, and since I'm talking to you, it's hard for me to to get a lot of info beyond that. So, if we hear something, we'll pass it on. Obviously, we'll talk to Neil about whatever is said in Lane Kiffin's post game. But remember, road post games are fast. Um, Ole Miss has not played many road games, especially when it kind of gets over late at night like this, or not late at night, but where the team is trying to get back and after a loss. So that will look a little different. They'll be in a little more of a hurry. There'll be fewer quotes and less opportunity after this one. There would be some of them for sure. I should probably put their numbers into my actual phone book. That would, that would help this situation. What's up? How are you? Uh, you know, just hanging out, watching the state Alabama game. How are you? You're not watching A&M in Carolina? Uh, we'll get the uh, computer second TV set up going here in a second. How's that game going? Uh, Carolina ran the opening kickoff back for a touchdown and then picked off A&M and ran it back to the four-yard line. Wow. Great start for Jimbo and the crew. Yeah, really good. What's going on? Uh, talk to Jeffrey for a little while. I'll try to ask you some different things. Obviously, a, a rough day for Ole Miss on a number of counts. What did you think of Jackson Dark's play today? I thought he played decently well for the most part. I started. I thought he started out the game pretty well. 
Um, you know, Buchanan and I had talked a little bit about on the podcast, kind of being a little more efficient in the passing game, passing on some non obvious passing downs and building up his confidence early in the game. And I thought he did that. And he, I thought he played pretty well, particularly in the first half. I don't really necessarily know upon the first look how to evaluate the second half, because after that first drive, he ended up chasing the game. Now he threw into coverage a couple of times too. So I guess if I was giving it a grade, I'd give it a B plus. I mean, I certainly don't think he was the reason they lost today uh, to put it simply. No, and, you know, we, we were talking about the offensive line play, and they didn't protect. Um, I thought Judkins made his own holes at time. I thought he ran really hard. I thought Jud- Judkins was excellent today. I mean, you look at straight players of the game, Judkins did everything he could do, and then Jonathan Cruz was really great on special teams. But – and it wasn't late at asking the thread. It's not the offensive line has been billed as great. It's that I think we've gotten into a false sense of security in some ways with the offensive line where they had played pretty well in some games at this point. Kentucky's got a pretty good defensive line. Auburn obviously has talent with, 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 with Derek and those guys, where they're pretty good. But LSU exploited things on the edges, exploited things up the middle. And I think at the end of the day, it's still too far. It's, it's, true, it's redshirt freshmen at both tackle spots. It's some inside guys that are in different places. There's a, nothing as egregious as we've seen in past weeks, but a couple snaps off today. Just kind of little stuff where – I think we had stopped talking about the offensive line and in some perception ways that made it like, oh, it's really, really beyond what we think. And I don't think it is. I, I thought that LSU between just straight mismatches, one-on-one wins and everything else, they disrupted Ole Miss offensively in ways that was uh, was pretty evident there in the second half. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that assessment. And look, the I mean, if you talk about what the original plan was with the offensive line, whether you want to go spring, pre-spring, whatever – you know, you landed Mason Brooks. You thought he'd be one of the tackles. You thought Jeremy James would be on the other side. And then you thought with Caleb Warren, Nick Broker coming back, you know, Eli Acker presumably being in the mix, you thought you were set. You know, depth, I thought, was probably a little bit of a concern. But with the first five, you thought you were pretty good as a veteran offensive line that had played a decent bit of football uh, collectively in terms of total snap count. And now you get into the season and you have James playing guard. Mason Brooks really is not a factor on this team in any sort of regard. And you have two redshirt freshman tackles. And not that, that they're the problem per se at all, but at the end of the day, there has to be a reason for that as to why that happened. And I think you saw signs that it was potentially not great. I mean, look, they entered the Auburn game, I think, with the second fewest or the fewest sacks allowed in the SEC and like the third or fourth fewest in the country, somewhere up there with only two allowed on the year. But I don't think that necessarily told the whole story, right? There's points in the year, you know, parts of games against Georgia Tech, even against, you know, um Troy and whoever it was in Tulsa, excuse me, in the middle, that it didn't look great all the time, just strictly on the eye test. And that's kind of, we'll get to some of the other stuff in a second, but that's kind of, I thought was the theme of today was the fact that, you know, those little things where you thought, oh, they don't seem completely buttoned up here, got completely exposed. And I think the offensive line is a big piece of that. Now, not having Zach Evans certainly hurts. Um, I think that probably played a little bit into the fact that they threw the ball as much as they did. But yeah, I mean, the offensive line, wasn't great and I don't know at this point in the season I mean there's only what four games remaining that you can ever I guess expect them to be a you know, good to great unit they're just kind of slightly above average I've talked a good bit of schematics I'll do a little more of that with Neil but I, I wrote in observations right before we started the show that 
it's a week where Ole Miss is going to need some some thick skin because even if it's a team that ends up going ten and two or whatever, they they're going to have to take a week on the chin a little bit. A week on the chin of a lot of people going, "Hey, see, Ole Miss wasn't for real. This is this is the normal Ole Miss." You saw it on Twitter a little bit, even in the last, you know, I don't know, five ten minutes before the game. It, it, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a difficult deal in a couple different ways for kind of everybody around Ole Miss. When really it's just a loss. I mean, you're seven to one. You're still going to play a big game next week, and if you win that game, you're still going to play Alabama with a lot of implications on the line in a number of ways because I think Alabama is going to beat LSU. So. All the big picture stuff is mostly still there, but at the same time, it's a team that has not lost lately. I mean, just strictly overcoming a regular season loss, it's been a while. I mean, they have not done a lot of that, so they're gonna have to. It's they're not used to it. They're gonna have to do that. They're gonna have to go on the road next week. They're gonna have to at least you know read the press clippings in some negative ways. It's a it's a fan base that's gonna like I said deal with their national media kind of doing the whole. Hey, look, they do suck. They didn't play anybody. And going really in extremes in a lot of ways because if we've seen anything this season, whether – and look, maybe Ole Miss goes 8-4, and 7-5 or whatever, but at the moment there's no reason to go to that level for it. Point being, we're so inundated with names on the helmets that Florida wins one game and suddenly they're back or this team does this or whatever. It takes so long to change perceptions that – it is going to be five days or seven days until Ole Miss plays A&M and has to win a football game of just complete and utter talking about how everything is sort of back to normal that Ole Miss lost the football game. Sure. It's really the last time this happened was against Alabama last year. Was it not going to Arkansas? I know they lost on Halloween weekend to Auburn, but if I'm not mistaken, wasn't the next week an 11 a.m. game against Liberty? So it wasn't really a game that you had to go get back up for and you had to pick yourself up off the mat. And Ole Miss kind of slogged through that game for a variety of reasons. I have that right, right? Wasn't the game after Auburn last year, Liberty? I think that's go Liberty A and M and then Vandy. Yeah, so I think right. in terms of really having to bounce back for a real opponent, unless I have the schedule wrong, I believe it's been over a calendar year since they've had to do that. So I do think there is some merit to that. Um, but I mean, you're right. Like all the big picture stuff is still in front of them in terms of probably controlling their own destiny and all that. But that's not really the conversation today because of how it looked and you know all the reservations you had about the 109th strength of schedule. How good is this team actually? You know, how good is Kentucky? You know, what, like, how quality were the couple wins that they had? I just think the way it looked today probably ch- changes the conversation more so than the fact that they just lost a football game in Baton Rouge. It, the, the, this was a big eye test day, right? And they didn't really pass very many of them. South Carolina has scored again. They have a five-yard touchdown rush right now. It is going crazy there in, uh, in Columbia. And if I have my math right, South Carolina about to be up 17 nothing on Texas A&M. Um, well, look, here's what it comes down to. I mean, this is bottom line for what today was. College football has been stupid this year. There's been lots of results on a week or two basis that make no sense because of the way matchups work and all these things. You go, oh, my God, and we overreact. So the question is, was today one of those where Ole Miss took it on the chin and Ole Miss was the negative side of one of those matchup deals where college football is dumb and sometimes – you can't do the transitive property. It doesn't work. Is that what this looked like? Or is this nor of, oh, no, hell, Ole Miss has major problems, and LSU is the first of five opponents to take advantage of that? And I don't think we're going to have the answer today, but that is the question. Is is this an anomaly based on a dumb sport, or is because the schedule is getting tougher and the way that 
things evolve as far as you get Alabama, who's very physical and can do multiple things, and you get A&M, who's got A-chain and different things. Arkansas, who at least is going to score. Now, Arkansas's defense is god-awful. They're horrible. But Arkansas typically scores points and can expose Ole Miss's defense in the way that Ole Miss's defense can be exposed. Is this just simply round one of a few weeks of, oh, hell, this is going to be kind of the same thing over and over and over again, at least from a defensive side of the ball standpoint? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question, and I would probably lean towards the fact that it's probably a sign of things to come more so than it is the anomaly and they just had a bad week. I don't know that to be for certain at all, but, I mean, you look at how this game played out. LSU had 500 yards of offense. They averaged five and a half yards per rush. I mean, Jaden Daniels had seven incompletions. He went 21 to 28 at nearly 12 yards per completion. They didn't really do a whole lot to stop the run, which gave LSU second and favorable a lot of the time. I don't know how many first or third downs LSU faced in the game. They faced 12. I don't. I mean, I would be interested to see how many of those came in the first half. They didn't really provide much resistance. I mean, I think LSU punted twice in the entire game. And so while I do leave the possibility open that they just had a bad week, right? They don't have Evans. They lose Troy Brown in the game. They AJ lose Finley. AJ Finley in the game. And it didn't look like Cedric Johnson was completely healthy. He had that one kind of trip up sack, and then it looked like he got up with the limp like slightly. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. I don't really know. But the other side of it is, what would lead you to believe against a quality opponent that Ole Miss is going to be any good against the run and be able to consistently stop opponents? Because they haven't showed that very much. And everyone talks about the, like, I mean, I say everyone, going into the year, we all talked about kind of the newfound defensive line depth, the fact that they have real SEC talent for the first time on the defensive line. And I get it's not great in the second level either, but is anyone for four quarters on this defensive line this year to you made an impact over a game consistently made an impact over four quarters of a game? We're like, wow, you got to watch that guy. Kind of the Sam Williams of last year, really not in the interior, right? It's like, Oh, no, I mean, there's no nice play. Yeah. I mean, Pegues has looked okay at times for sure. Um, if you want to extend out to the edges, Corey Coleman was great there early in the year. Um, before he got banged up. But, no, I mean, they, they've gotten, you know, Katie Hill, if anything, maybe he's taking a step back this year. You look at Gordon and Iton, they're not even playing much. I mean, you look at just a snap, can't stand, snap count standpoint, they're not doing a ton. I mean, they have not that, – that that's what I was mentioning with Jeffrey a minute ago. That workable depth, depth line, it's just incorrect. You're seeing the same guys with a ton of snaps over and over and over and over again. I mean, it's, it's – it, and it's on all levels. Now, look – you know, defensive backfield, I think – I'm, I'm going to give Davison Igbenosin a, a, a break today. It was his first true road game. He had a really tough assignment. He had a bad day. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he was bad. But I'm not going to condemn a true freshman over some of that. thought Prince played okay at times. But when you're not getting pressure and you're not tackling in the second level, that becomes really, really difficult on your cornerbacks and on your secondary. I mean, that changes everything on what they have to do. When you can't get home on blitzes, and when you can't pressure, and you've got a three-man front that's not stopping the run. I mean, this yes, this defense in some ways is deeper than last year, but this defense also, I mean, let's be honest, Troy Brown is invaluable to this team, but they don't have a Sam Williams, they don't have a Chance Campbell, and they don't have a Mark Robinson. All no, they don't. Now, they- you know, over the course of 11, maybe you could piece it together into different ways where you're better overall, but as far as straight-up playmakers, they don't have those three guys. No, they don't. And 
And you talk about the fact that today was pretty evident, right? Particularly, I mean, they had that stop right before halftime where they finally got home, but there was a really consistent theme in this game where when they brought three, they didn't really get much pressure at all. And then when they blitzed, they didn't get home. And you talk about it putting your defensive backs in a tough position. I mean, when that coupled with the fact that you're not stopping the run with much consistency, that almost just becomes an untenable situation. Like, I don't know what you're doing well to force teams into third and long and actually get off the field. And I think that was probably pretty evident today as well. And I think that's probably been one of the bigger disappointments is that no one on the defensive line has really made much of an impact this year. Um, I mean, how, how, how many times have you seen an opponent run on the interior and they get, you know, three and a half, four yards before initial contact and it turns into second and three pretty quickly. I think that's one of the bigger things that's killing this team too. And so, you know, back to your point about, is this the anomaly? This is a weird week to week sport, which it absolutely is uh, without a shadow of a doubt. But I just don't know what to point to, like any sort of large sample size to suggest that Ole Miss is going to be any better against the run um, and get off the field and get stops. I mean, look, they were pretty opportunistic against Kentucky. I can't take away the the way they played in the first half against them. They got big turnovers late. So I guess if that's the piece of evidence you want to point to, okay, fine. I can't necessarily contest that. But, I mean, particularly the last couple weeks, it's been pretty brutal. I mean, Auburn was an abysmal running team and pretty much did whatever they wanted to for a bulk of that game last week, uh, running the football. And it was sort of a similar story this week. I mean, look, if you had gotten Jaden Daniels in a, you know, a lot of third and long situations and forced him to consistently throw the ball down the field, which he's been super hesitant against doing until last week at Florida, and it worked out pretty well for him, I think the game would have probably gone differently, and they just weren't really able to do that. And then in the second half, the offense just really kind of ran out of gas. It didn't perform very well, and that's what kind of turned the game into a complete and utter blowout. It was it was pretty ugly all around, and, and I don't know. Again, it's, it could be a week-to-week thing, but I, I thought this loss was pretty telling in a lot of areas. Real real gear online. Thanks for the super chat. He said, it sounded like the crowd really took the team out of it, too, even though there were a ton of empties. Did you think the crowd had an impact? Obviously, Ole Miss handled it well early. They get out to the 17-3 lead. I, I, it's just so hard to know what was crowd and what was the inability to protect just because of one-on-one matchups on the edge. I have no idea. I mean, it, it could have been crowd. It could have changed things. But, I mean, it just looked like so much of just, frankly, an LSU sort of dominant dominance on the edges. Yeah, I thought LSU dominated both lines of scrimmage for the bulk of the game, and that was probably the story of it. As far as, like, the crowd, I don't really know. I did have, know a couple people there. I texted them during the game. They said it certainly wasn't full, but was a, quote, decent crowd. So whatever you want to make of that, it certainly wasn't a sellout, which, you know, I thought would work to Ole Miss's advantage if that had you know, been the case kind of like it was apparently against Tennessee. But uh, it didn't really matter. Ole Miss, I mean, LSU just kind of punished Ole Miss up front for the entirety of the game. Um, and then, you know, the injury aspect is big, like, going forward, too, right? That kind of looms large, right? You lose Troy Brown, you lose A.J. Finley, Zach Evans was wearing some sort of knee brace, wasn't able to go, and you got to turn around and play another road game just like that in, you know, six and a half days. And I think if today proved anything, I don't, particularly in the defensive side of the ball, I don't think this team has a uh, a ton of depth or maybe, you know, beyond the secondary as much as we maybe thought it did, which is certainly hurting them because even the top end guys aren't producing that well. Does this change your feelings at all on LSU? Are they ahead of schedule? Are they talented enough to be different? I mean, Brian Kelly in general, what's sort of the 10,000 feet take? I think that's the team kind of finally finding its identity. They're, they've had a better run game each of the last two weeks. Who know if that's sustainable? And then, 
Jaden Daniels is finally pushing the ball down the field. He's been really risk-averse. The guy doesn't turn the football over. He has one pick on the year, but they could not get him to throw the ball down the field. I mean, Kayshawn Butte entered this game, I think, with 23 catches on the year. I think he'd had, I want to say, like 12 entering the Tennessee game, and he had two catches each of the last two weeks, um, which I think is probably a sign of him pushing it down the field more. But, yeah, I think they're probably kind of figuring out. They do have some talent on that defensive line. I don't think their secondary is very good. You know, they're relying on at least one young linebacker, and they looked okay there. So I think it probably is. I mean, two things can be true at once. I think LSU's kind of figuring some things out, and I think there will be a uh, a frisky team going forward. I don't think they can contend for the West. I don't think they will beat Alabama. But, you know, as bad as it was for Ole Miss, I do think LSU is playing much better football than it did, you know, three, four weeks ago. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So I'm just going to stick with this three-man front the rest of the way. Well, we just talked about the lack of defensive on depth. What else are you going to do? Are you going to play five of them at one time, 70 snaps? I guess I am questioning, but I guess my point is, if you're getting beat up one way, what the hell is the difference in getting beat up another way? That's a good point. <laughs> I'm with you there. I don't know. I mean, don't they have to change something? The fact that the opponents are really just getting five, six yards of rush on first down as often as they are, I mean, that's a huge problem. And, again, there's just not – I mean, I don't know. Last year, particularly after the Arkansas game, when they would give up a couple of chunk runs early in the game, I think you probably felt better about them rectifying that. And it was Jake Springer around the line of scrimmage. And it's a couple other guys. And I mean, Chance Campbell 
um, you know, Mark Robinson. And I just don't feel that way this year. Um, I, I don't feel as good about their chances of kind of fixing that within the course of the game. And I, it kind of proved true again today. So I don't know. I figure they have to change something. I mean, I guess the definition of insanity is, you know, the whole doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So I don't really know. I don't know if going to a five-man front will change a whole lot, but I will be interested to see if they do anything different and what that different is next week in College Station because you know exactly what a and is going to try to do to you. I mean, how every opponent going forward, maybe outside of Mississippi State, just because Mike Leach seems completely unwilling to do it, is going to try to run the football straight at you, um, and they're going to have to prove they can stop it. And you know, I guess in six and a half days we'll find out if they've made any progress in that regard. Did your early take to take Ole Miss or A&M next week? I couldn't even begin to tell you. What do you think that line will be? Is that like, I mean, I guess, you know, we got to watch this Arkansas, excuse me, the South Carolina A&M game play out tonight. But, like, do you have any idea what even a line would be on that? Like, that Jeffrey A&M, thought like, it would be – Jeffrey thought Ole Miss minus three. And I only Ooh. see that if A&M loses by a little bit this week. You know what I mean? That would make Because that would make them but three and four with a game. loss to Carolina. Right, and that Alabama thing looks more and more like an anomaly. But I'll, I'll, I'll flip the script. If A and M somehow, and I don't, it doesn't. I don't think this will happen because I don't think A and M can score quick enough. But let's just say A and M wins this game tonight, twenty four twenty. Say they come sure. back. Does that change anything? Oh well, sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, what do you think? It's like A and M minus two. Like, again, yeah, I, mean, look, I, I, I think it's inside field. the margin either way. I mean, do you think Ole Miss would shock me from inside three, one way or the other? Do you think Ole Miss wins? I need to see some injury stuff first. That's fair. I don't know. I, I mean, know I mean, I mean I'm trying – again, I'm trying not to make everything out of this one game. Um, And I'm – A&M has talent on defense. So can they do some of the same things LSU did in the second half? Because it's somebody made a good point on the message board. I know I said that. Somebody made a good point on a message board. Um, <laughs> Ole Miss has to score on offense to make the defense be as good as it can be because when Ole Miss is trying on defense, and this is not absolving the defense. Don't get me wrong. They, they, they were clearly the inferior unit today of all four and against its own offense. But my point is, when Ole Miss is scoring on offense and doing the things necessary, it allows Ole Miss to take more chances. It allows Ole Miss to to blitz a little more and do different things. When you're constantly behind the sticks and you're having to make a stop and you're having to give your offense a second and there's all those different things, it does change the dynamic of what you are able to do on defense. And Ole Miss squandering opportunities and not extending and, frankly, not scoring the entire second half. I mean, that's the thing. We're talking about the defense – because of the way it played today. But the Ole Miss offense had 17 points in its first three series and scored three points the rest of the way, including getting shut out 28 to nothing in the second half, if I have that right. I mean, that's that's rough. Oh, that is really rough. And And it's the the, the unanswerable question. I don't know the answer. Jeffrey didn't know the answer. I doubt you know the answer. Maybe, Maybe the stream knows the answer. I don't know why Ole Miss just goes completely silent in one half or the other on offense. Because, you know, Lane had talked about, well, you know, tempo gets you because of this reason or this reason or this reason or anything else. But that's not the answer when for six, we're in th- for 30 minutes, 
you run a lot of script stuff, it works, you still keep the momentum, and then you make more mistakes, you have drops, you have missed opportunities. It's not simply play calling. In the second half, Ole Miss is just a worse offensive team all the way around. It's everything. It's missed throws, drops, missed assignments, blocking. It's all of it. I will give him a thing that I do think not playing more offensive linemen potentially creates fatigue that gives the defense the upper hand in the second half on the line of scrimmage. So maybe that's the bell cow to the rest of it being a problem. But it's not a it's not a one trick deal. It, it it's a little bit of everything in the second half of games. They're really good on script. And this was I mean, this was the case last year. Ole Miss got bogged down for long periods offensively of games for a lot of games last year. And I know, you know, some people might have a little bit of amnesia about that just from the sheer fact that they won a bunch of games, they went ten and two. But this was the case last year, even with Matt Kraut. Now the question I'll ask is do you think it's a little bit different today? Because Ole Miss ran the ball 37 times for 116 yards. That's 3.1 yards per rush. It was pretty much entirely Quinshawn Judkins, right? Zach Evans couldn't go. You saw Bentley on the field for, I think he was on the field once in the first half, and then he gets the one carry in the second half. So he didn't really play very much. Do you think they were just so thin at running back that today was an anomaly in that sense? I'm not saying that absolved them from being bogged down for large portions of games because even when they have been healthy that has been the case but I just wonder how different today was because of how thin they were at running back because I mean that's the kind of the the core of this offense right I mean I, I thought it was frankly hilarious that the CBS broadcast seven games into 2022 still did the whole well you think of Lane Kiffin you think of throwing it around the yard but this team actually runs it like you know, congrats on telling on everyone that you don't actually watch college football, which you're paid a bunch of money to watch. Like, I, I've never understood that storyline. But anyway, point being, do you think today was different because they literally just had one running back? I mean, they seem really thin up there. Oh, there's no doubt Zach Evans changes the game when he plays in, in, in a number of ways. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there, 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 there's no doubt about that. Um, Bentley either is not healthy or just didn't have a step. Um, he was a decoy outside of that one carry, as you mentioned. Uh, it eliminated some of the things Dart did offensively. Dart, it was mentioned again in the thread of the best word somewhere, Dart was a different guy after he fell on the football and kind of had the air knocked out of him. <sighs> Judkins was really, really good. And if you think you have Evans, too, who gives you the same amount of production, the, the yardage totals you're mentioning are different just because you don't have all the negative plays. I mean, you, you look at plays that had positive yardage. I thought Ole Miss ran the ball well enough. It was just all the negative plays. It was when Dart was getting hit behind the line of scrimmage, the way the stats work in college football with sacks. It was everything else. I mean, Judkins made his own holes in a lot of ways. I think he ended up 20-something carries for 88 yards, something like that. But beyond that, no, they simply just couldn't get any traction what's, uh, what, whatsoever. There's, there's no doubt about that. So. I don't know. And on, on top of that piece of it, too, is just the fact that, like, the pass-heavy play calling. I'm not necessarily blaming the play calling in this game. You know, it's funny. We talked about that on the podcast last week, and then Buchanan called me midway through the second quarter and was like, this is what I was talking about. This looks awesome. And then, you know, the rest of the game happened. I think our guy was at a wedding, so uh, I'm not sure how much he watched the rest of the game. But it did not go as well as the first 18 minutes or so did. But just the pass-happy play calling, I mean, I can recall just off the top of my head two instances where Ole Miss went three and out with three throws. And I just wonder if that would ever happen where they would go pass, 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 and go three and out. Would that ever happen if you had both running backs healthy? I, I don't know if that's – you know, I don't know that answer for certain, but I have a pretty good feeling the answer is probably no. 
And when you take away the greatest strength of an offense, you really become handicapped. I actually thought Dart did pretty well to kind of keep them afloat for a piece of that game. I know he had a couple poor decisions, but I mean, he didn't get helped out a ton either. I, I, I mean, I don't know if we want to do the Casey Kelly thing, but that it that wasn't great. No, I mean, I told Jeffrey I thought that drop was huge, arguably the most important play of the game because you yeah. have a chance to hold serve to extend the lead to do a lot of different stuff right there. There's Look, there's three or four plays that could be in that group, but I think it's one of the three or four in that group for for sure. There's no doubt. Yeah, there's no doubt about that at all. Um, Carolina has it back now, seventeen three over the uh, the Aggies right now. Looks like they were had a third and two. Looked like they were held short right there. So I guess they were gonna have to uh, gonna have to punt. But we'll uh, we'll see on uh, on that one. You still watching state? Yeah, I got state, and then I just pulled up on the computers. Uh, South Carolina A&M, it does look like he's short. This feels like a South Carolina got up because A&M kind of spit over itself early in game. Doesn't this feel like they just get up 17-3 to and try to hold on for dear life? I mean, pull out we watched that game earlier today. Yes, I, I think so too. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the weird part. I mean, the last thing I guess on today's game, that's the weird part about it too. Ole Miss got up 14-3 to with the football and had a chance to kind of issue – I mean, I won't call it a kill shot because there was so much time left, but really, really get in command of that game. And then they get up 20-17 to 17 at halftime. You feel like they're kind of fortunate to be in that place with the way the defense played. They get a stop to open the second half, and if you can put it in the end zone there and go up 10, that feels like an entirely different game. I thought there was two crucial moments in that game where they could have really, really taken control, and they didn't do so either time. It's why, you know, it's not picking on Casey Kelly. It's why I thought that play was so big. It's because you go up 10 if you score right there. You've held them coming out of halftime. You actually got the ball back. And then if you execute and put points on the board, does it make them push a little? Do they try something? Does, does it force Daniels into a, into a mistake? And then suddenly maybe, you you know, you get the ball back again. And that's a lot of what ifs. But just sort of when it happened, you went, ah, shit, you don't really want to give LSU the ball back right there. That's not good. And then you see kind of where it went from there. So no, I completely agree with you. I mean, I just thought that was, uh, I thought that was the case. They mentioned the roughing the passer. It was definitely not roughing the passer. That also extended some drives and did some things. Um, yeah, the officials. I wrote this. They were so flag happy that when you don't throw a flag, it becomes more obvious. So if you've got a set of officials that lets you play, you can sort of play it off a little bit because of that. But when they're throwing flags on every damn play, and then suddenly they actually miss a call. It's like, well, my God, you've thrown 35 flags, and there was actually interference there, and you didn't throw it. You know what I mean? It, oh, it, it brings it more into the, in the, into the scenario of, well, I mean, hell, if you're going to throw it, then let's do it when there actually is a uh, when there actually is a penalty. So, whatever. I don't know. I think, um, that's a, I think that's a great point, just to follow up on that, because if you're having a bad game as officiating crew, not that they necessarily care what people at home are watching, but it's more appeasing on the eyes if you just don't call anything as mm-hmm. opposed to just throwing 90 flags. I mean, these college games are long enough, and you're right. Like, when they throw that many flags in a game and then there's a blatant P.I. call or something that they miss, it's like, really? You're, I mean, <laughs> you throw those things like tissues and you're not going to throw it now? Like, what, what's the deal there? I, I thought it was a very weirdly officiated game, right? Ole Miss caught some breaks from it. LSU caught a couple, too. And I, I don't know. I'd love to know the amount of good calls out of the entire entirety of the flags they threw. It was It was a poorly officiated game on both sides, I thought. Yeah, it was a poorly executed game, so there were a lot of penalties. But then it went beyond beyond that as well. The pass interference calls a couple of different times, and 
just uh yeah some stupid stuff so anyway all right bud appreciate it we'll uh let's talk on monday sounds good have a good one brian rippy joining us there on uh i guess rafters music and food hotline i have not heard from neil yet i don't really know what's going on press box media wise for uh stuff in baton rouge let me open up the hotline if any, any of you guys want to call 662-259-7556 is the phone number. You can uh, give me a shout. Tell me what you think. I'll listen to uh, your calls for that one. So again, 662-259-7556 is the phone number in uh, in that one. Let's see. I've got a couple stats pages up too. Well, I'm waiting to see if you guys want to call. Yeah, I can't make myself turn the A&M game. I'm just staying on that for a while. That feels like the place to be at the moment. I don't need to watch Alabama right now. Who's on the call? This is Scott from Georgia. Scott, how's it going? Doing good. I'm going to make this short and sweet. Uh, okay. Tyler Siski Tyler says on Siski and McCready all the time, the only thing that prevent defense keeps you from doing is stopping the other team. It prevents you from stopping them. Well, Ole Miss plays prevent-style defense literally all game long. And I just don't understand the concept or the scheme behind it. We don't get up there and pressure the quarterback. We don't man up on the outside. We just allow them to get easy five, six-yard completions and then try to run up and tackle. So that's my complaint. That's my thought for the game, and I'll hang up and listen to the show. Okay, sounds good. Appreciate it. Thanks for the call. You know, look, here's the deal on that. I don't know. I'm not sure Ole Miss has confidence it can get there on the blitz when it brings pressure. They didn't for most of the game. They did a couple times late once OSU had gotten way ahead. But prior to that, and I, I don't know this, but I don't know anything else that would make sense for why they don't do it. I just don't think they think they can get home. I, and if you don't get home, you're creating even more problems and matchups and all sorts of situations because they did that. They they didn't do it enough because that was the only way to force Daniels anything. He was just going to pick you apart with his feet and his legs otherwise. But beyond that, it was a matter of they were not getting there. And it was just – it was. It was creating more and more and more opportunities as that was, uh, was going. Neil says he has done writing, so we'll see if I can get him in, uh, in a second. Get him on the line, see how that went. So he has coverage up at rebelgrove.com. Um, I guess it's a good point. You're not watching state play right now as much as you play as much as you are state losing. Yeah, Doors has a good point. He says, most people don't understand there's man coverage when they hit those underneath throws, making sure they don't get smoked deep. Yeah, there's truth to that. Wheels Bryce is really loud. South Carolina, when that thing is rolling, they do a really nice job. They really do. They, it, it, they, they do a nice job inside that stadium. I mean, everybody remembers, you know, not to bring up more bad stuff for Ole Miss tonight, but the uh, – the 2009 game up there was was a hellaciously good environment for Carolina. When they had Dax and didn't really use him at all. 
that's kind of the one thing I remember from that game more than anything else. No, there's no pressure. I mean, Dorge make a good point. There, there is, there is, there is absolutely no pressure from that standpoint. Hello, Chase. Neil, how are you? I'm good. I'm finishing packing up. Uh, Last of my stuff here in the press box. I'll get out of people's way. How are you? Um, I'm, I'm running a show. Um, that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> doing that, I am watching uh, South Carolina and A&M, which is kind of surprising. The Gamecocks up 17-3 at the moment on the Aggies. Gotta... I'm mad at Tyler. Tyler taught me out of that pick. I was going to pick. Uh, I was going to pick South Carolina. You told me oh, all no, no, week no. you were picking Carolina. I know. And then I, I did that thing that I do. I got other people taught me out of it because they know more football than I do. It is interesting that you take the advice of the guy who is uh, competing against you to try to avoid going to Boise. Well, but this was, this was, I don't pick SEC games in that. I'm talking about in in our picks. Mm. I listened to him. Yeah. But I'm pretty good at, I'm pretty good at reading people. And I just thought the body language on those two teams was polar opposites. And I kind of saw it coming, I guess. So, I know that he gave you no information, but do we have any idea on how severe or not any of these injuries are for Ole Miss moving forward? Well, AJ's was bad enough for him to leave and, and not come back at all. And and, they, and, and it's Troy's, also worth noting they took him straight to the locker room. He was not just in the bubble. And Troy's looked bad. I had the binoculars on. It, it looked like he was in a lot of pain. If you made me guess, I would guess he had that shoulder whatever that injury is, it looked to be re-aggravated. And he came back out and, and warmed up. But, I mean, he, he it was clear he wasn't going to play. And, and he didn't. And, and those are two big injuries because they just have no depth at linebacker. And the truth is, Chase, and it's time that we use the word, they're just not very talented there. I mean, you've got, you've got Kari Coleman, who's moved over from kind of a different position, but he's still so raw at linebacker. And then – you know, Sistrunk's just limited physically, and, and, and they've just not ever gotten out of Austin Keys what we all kind of thought maybe they'd get out of him. And Troy Brown's been – this is two years in a row that they've added a, a transfer portal linebacker who's just critical to what they try to do defensively. And, um, you know, if they don't have Troy moving forward for any length of time, that's going to be a problem. And AJ's just been around forever. He's such an important part of what they do defensively. And statistically, um, those you know, are their best two tackles. Yeah, and so you, you take them off the field, and you did in the second half. I mean, you, you get an idea of what can happen because I think we just saw it. I mean, it was it was it was rough. I was debating it with Brian a few minutes ago. Does Ole Miss simply believe in its scheme? Or do they not believe when they do bring pressure they can actually get there and that's why they don't do it more? Because you made the point on Twitter, it wasn't that they don't bring pressure. The problem is that when you bring pressure and don't get there, well, suddenly you're just exponentially adding the opportunities there for the offense. I mean, we can it, – it, it's the damnedest thing. The offense does gets outscored 28 to nothing in the second half, doesn't score a single point, 
Yet it seems like we're more focused on defense, but that's because I just thought they got gashed in both ways. They looked slow. They didn't tackle well at the second and the third level. And either way they win, it didn't work. Whether it was bringing pressure, it did not rattle Daniels, it didn't even get close to causing a turnover, they still moved the ball. And if they sat there in their base three-man front, LSU could basically pick its own poison and run down the field. You know, I told Michael Katz and Brett Norsworthy right before the interception from, from Dart, I said, if Ole Miss scores here, the only way they win is in a track meet. Because you could tell they weren't going to stop LSU, at least not not consistently. And so I think that's the reason that so much of the focus is on what you saw defensively is because offensively, even though the second half's issues, with the exception of one game, really, or a couple of games, those are issues. But the defense is a bigger thing. It's a, it, because you can – you, like, like you said, everybody's like, bring more pressure. Well, they tried to bring pressure. They, they don't have they do, – especially with Cedric Johnson limited. He had two sacks today. They, 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 they don't have the athleticism off the edge that we thought maybe they'd have. Remember earlier in the year, we're like, oh, yeah, J.J. Pegues and Taiwan Malone and all these guys are going to be these impactful elite SEC defensive linemen. Well, that hasn't happened yet. And – they're, they're just okay in the middle on defense. They're, they're just kind of okay on the edges. And that's with Tavius Robinson playing some of his best football. And then I, you and I talked about this. I think I talked about it on the show. I wanted to see if this week, when you knew LSU was going to test Ole Miss on the edges, could Ole Miss handle it? And they did okay. But look, Davison got picked on. And he, he talked about this on his show that, Teams are going to come after him because he's a freshman in the SEC. And LSU came after him, and they had some success. They went after DeAndre Prince, and they had some success. Ole Miss struggled with, with LSU's athleticism and speed at wide receiver. And then they had no answer for Jaden Daniels. And so when you bring a bunch of pressure and you don't get to him, well, now he picks you apart. And so instead they dropped eight, and they tried to contain Daniels, and for the most part, until late in the game, they kind of did, sort of. But, I mean, LSU had 35 first downs, Chase. 35 first downs. I mean, run that number in your head. 35 first downs. 350 total yards of offense that they did only got 10 every time and never got another yard. Think about that. Yeah, they had 500 yards of offense. 252 on the ground, 248 in the air, 35 first downs, no turnovers. I mean, damn. I mean, that's 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 a problem. I mean, that that tells you you're not stopping anything. They they did what they wanted to do. They they trailed 17 to 3 and then went they won 42 to 3 after the first play of the second quarter. Yeah. After that kick. I mean, Jonathan Cruz kicks a field goal on the first play of the second quarter to make it 17 to 3 Ole Miss. And they go they win the rest of the game. So essentially the final three quarters, 42 to 3. That's domination. That's so many issues that pop up, questions that pop up. I asked, can it be fixed? And Tysheem Johnson said yes. That was all he said. Lane Literally Kiffin was one asked word. How concer- he said yes. 
Lane Kiffin was asked, how concerned are you about the defense? And his answer, I don't remember the exact quote, but he said about as concerned as you can be. As concerned as you can be. As high as you can be. Well, right now there's questions on all three levels. Because Finley out for a period of time brings tons of secondary stuff. Now, I did think DeAndre Prince played pretty well tonight, honestly. But I, I thought I thought DeAndre played okay. Davidson yeah. looked like a freshman. Um, they're they're just not impactful. They didn't get impactful run stopping, pass stopping plays out of Ashim or Tennyson or any of those guys. They just were non factors for the most part on that third level. They were slow in the second level, especially when Troy came out. And then when they run this three man front, there's just no pressure at all. There's no pressure, and the two freshman tackles on offense struggled. Mm-hmm. And Jackson got hit a lot. He got hit a lot. I he thought said he's he okay. Okay, considering. I mean, he was. He was. It, it, it was. I, I told Jeffrey this. It wasn't that we said the offensive line was great. It was that they had that sack number where they'd given up, you know, some of the fewest sacks in the SEC or whatever it was. But Jackson does a lot of that. They scheme a lot of that. The way they run the ball helps with that number a ton. And the tackles had been okay enough against Kentucky and Auburn that we just kind of had stopped talking about it. But when you look at it today, it's exactly what you would be concerned about is they were just overwhelmed on the edges. And then LSU brought some pressure up the middle. And when you dominate the line of scrimmage like that, no matter what Jackson is trying or not trying to do, he has no time to actually run the offense. I mean, he's got people in his face all day. I mean, he actually did a pretty good job of sort of altering arm angles and doing a lot of things just to move the ball down the field when he did. Once LSU got on some islands out there against those tackles, I mean, they dominated the football game. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of hot takes, but here's the closest I have to one. I thought Jackson Dart was really good. I really did. I thought he was really good. I think if he'd had an average game, they'd it'd have been ugly. Um, I, I thought he was. I thought he was really good. He made some big throws. He got hit a couple of times. He had a couple of throws early that could have gone the other way, but they didn't. And then he kind of settled in and, and made some big time throws. I thought Malik Heath was good. But here's the thing, man. When you get into that deal where you have to score every time you get the ball, you start playing with a little extra pressure. And, you know, like he got hit on that pick. I mean, Lane talked about it. I mean, it was probably P.I., but you're not going to get that P.I. when the ball's thrown like it was. And it was thrown like it was because he got popped right there on, on, on the throw. The right tackle just couldn't, couldn't, get the, couldn't get the block. And Jackson said he didn't anticipate getting hit there. And he did. He got hit hard, and the ball kind of floated on him, and Fouché made the play. And from there on, it was over. It was a rout from that point forward. I mean, it was, it, was, it, was, it was curtains. And the fact that they kind of lost their composure for a little while, and, and, and Otis Reese with the stupid hit, and, and there was some – look, there's bad time. And they, they come back, and next week's big. Next week's really, really big now for more than just forget the whole winning the West and all that crap that we talked about. This team's not ready to win a conference or anything like that. We saw that today. We can put that away. But for them to avoid a, a, a spiral, next week needs to go well because you don't want to play Alabama with an open date after that and then another road trip to play a team that's frankly – offensively. Now, look, Arkansas is abysmal defensively, but offensively, they're the type of team that's going to give Ole Miss a ton of problems. 
I mean, so, you know, unless they can fix this defense. So, you know, there's kind of a, there's kind of a lot there next week. I mean, they've got to flush this. They've got to get back to Oxford and put it away and, and, and try to go to college station and play what is a very vulnerable Texas A&M team. Here's the thing that I thought was interesting. I've, I've learned with Lane Kiffin to read words to put, he talked about LSU has elite players. He talked about how A&M has elite players, but he said, hey, I mean, LSU has elite players and, that that was that's that's his way of of saying this was about this was about players as much as it was about anything. They had a hard time controlling LSU's elite players. Like number forty on defense, that dude's best player on the field. I mean, Ole Miss could not could not contain him, and he was a five star. Everybody recruited him, kind of player out of high school, and it showed. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's still one on one matchups. In so many places. I mean, that's what it is. That's what football yeah. is. It, it, it's exposing yeah. matchup in some spot, and you you disrupt everything from that 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 standpoint. I mean, no, because look, it's 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 sort of what the theme of the show has been is that college football is a dumb sport. We transitive property doesn't work. We watch games one week where a team looks like raw hell, and the next week they beat this other team. And I get how if you want to do this Pollyanna thing, that's the answer. But then we also open our eyes and go, yeah, but I saw something different. I can't just give that for this night. You know what I mean? Or well, it's not yeah, just you, this, hey, you know I don't know. Damn. Like, there was – now, look, does Arkansas necessarily have somebody to expose some of these things? No. Ole Miss can go win the football game. Sure. All right. Sure, Play and sure, can be a certifiable train wreck in its own right. So it works out there. Sure. But that's not a way to put your head in the sand and go, oh, well, no, no, no. It'll be okay next week. Because you make a great point. And it, it's what I, – I guess maybe it was Jeffrey was talking about it, is that this team – it's the negative in a way of their winning streaks they've been on. This team hasn't had to go into the locker room on a Monday and watch film and lose lately. So they've got to pick themselves up a little bit after a pretty humiliating night in Death Valley. You're going to get all this stuff where you can talk about, oh, inside the walls and all that crap. But it's going to be a full week of media telling everybody, nope, this is the team we thought they were. It's still a little old miss. Whether that's right or wrong is not the point. That's what you're about to get for five to seven days, just over and over and over again. You already yeah. saw it on Twitter tonight. 19-3 and three doesn't mean shit right now when it comes to that. So it's going to be a hard test to sort of put it away, get back up, use it in some positive ways. You've got some in- injuries. Because, yeah, if you lose two in a row, that bye week is long. It is long, long, long. But if you well, win, three you kind of get be, to salve be, it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, no, if you beat A&M, you kind of recover a little. Look, I mean, you and I talked about this. We, we've got to get serious about this team. I mean, the, the schedule is backloaded. We talked about this all offseason. It felt like a thousand times that, you know, you had a chance to go 7-0, and but 7-0 and could turn into 8-4, and 9-3 because the schedule's so hard. So here we go. You're, you're not the first team, and you won't be the last to come into this building and, and get beat. Um when they get going, it gets loud and it gets rowdy, and it did tonight. There were 100,000 people in here, most of them for LSU, and it got rowdy. And it's intimidating, and it gets loud, and, and um, all of those things happen. And so now the A&M game becomes, for Ole Miss, the absolute critical game because if you lose it, realistically, Ole Miss is probably not beating Alabama. Realistically, they're just not there yet. They don't have those kinds of players to stop Bryce Young and Will Anderson and, and all of those guys. Probably not winning that game. So the LS, I mean, the A and M game becomes kind of the, the the critical game because if you beat A and M, look ten and two, 
nine and three, very much on the table. You lose to A and M, you lose to Alabama, and then you got an open date. You got a lot of negative thought. You hadn't won an open date month. before Alabama, real quick. Just heads up. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Open date before Alabama. So yeah, you don't want to. You're right. I, I keep doing that. I don't know why. You lose that was kind to of my point. You lose A and M, and it's a really long fourteen days with the tide up next. It is with the tide up next and kind of dreading that. And then if you lose to if you lose to Alabama, then you got to turn around and go up to Fayetteville for their senior day and all that stuff. And it, it, it can spiral on you. So yeah, A and M's critical. And 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 look, they here's the thing. I mean, this is going to be the big talking point all week. Is that well, they hadn't played anybody. Well, it's not exactly true. But look, the schedule was easy at the beginning, and and they they but to their credit, they took care of it. Now the schedule gets hard. And they just lost to an LSU team that's now six and two, uh, four and two in the league. They're, you know, they are awfully close to being um, seven and. Well, they I guess they lost to Mississippi. They lost to Tennessee. They, they, they you know they almost lost. I mean they almost beat Florida State as bad as they played that day. They lost to a Tennessee team that's damn good. LSU's probably pretty good at the end of the day, and you know the A and M game becomes just paramount. Bottom line, it's what it, you've got to you've got to flush it. You haven't come back from a loss in a long time. I mean, the last time they lost a game before this was the Sugar Bowl, and they didn't play again for nine months. So this is the first time that that they've lost a game in the season since the Auburn loss last year. So they've got to, uh, like you said, you got to flush it fast, and you've got to get past it. But you've got to figure some things out defensively because you know what's coming from Texas A and M. They're going to run Devin A chain. They're going to run A chain at you, and they're they're going to try to move the quarterback. and And defensively, they're going to try to do the exact same things that LSU sort of did in the second half. And you know, DJ Durkin knows this offense really well. And you're going to try to take away the the run and and force the pass. And look, Zach Evans, that was a really big knee brace on him today. Lane talked about how he didn't go at all during the week. Didn't do anything meaningful. Tried to give it a go in warm-ups. He looked, he looked fine, but he didn't look explosive at all. So I don't know. Is that a, a multi-week injury? You know, if it is, you're 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 kind of one-dimensional at running back all of a sudden. Even though he's a very good dimension, it takes something away from your offense. One of the things that LSU felt going into the week was that Ole Miss's receivers, as good as a couple of them were, couldn't take the top off. And you know, there was only one play today that. Uh, I think it was Mingo did take the top off and Jackson missed him. That would have been a, a big, long touchdown pass, but Jackson overthrew it. And other than that, though, they, they don't do that to you. So, you know, that's what's coming. And, and look, for all of their flaws and as weird as they are and all of that stuff, A&M does have a lot of athletes on the defensive side of the ball. So Ole Miss will have its hands full. Anything else from Lane that was interesting? Not really. I mean, he was – he was what you'd expect. I mean, I think he was concerned. I think he was really concerned about the defense. I think he was, I think he, I think he knew what he saw. Lane Kiffin's an offensive coach. He's watched a ton of defensive film in his life. I mean, I think if you were to ask Lane Kiffin, Hey, how would you attack this defense? I think he'd say, let me count the ways. That's a good point. Why do you think, we don't know, and we'll spend all week on this, but just the, the quicker answer right now, they are a great script team. They score points early. When they are scripting, they do a lot of things to offset what teams have prepared for in previous weeks. Kiffin was sort of Easter egg that on Monday when he was talking about it for other teams. 
But they do a great job of that. And then the second half, they don't score. They still have been a such a bad football team in one half or another. Lane gave the answer about, you know, maybe the offensive line, the tempo and the depth and all that stuff a couple weeks ago. Is there anything to pinpoint here? I mean, why do they suck? I mean, the only thing I can come up with is that the opposing the opposing coaching staffs are making adjustments at halftime that Ole Miss can't adjust to those adjustments. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Now, tonight, I would say what happened. Was it was an offensive line overwhelming. Quarter. Yeah, but both teams came out in the third quarter. Neither Both teams three and out punted. Uh, Ole Miss had a bad punt. Um, LSU went 50 yards for the go-ahead score, and then Ole Miss was driving. They had second and goal at the nine. You know, I think if you score there, this is at least it extends the game. It keeps you alive a little bit. And I think they were going to have a hard time stopping them. But once you got down two scores, and Jaden Daniels made sure of that, you kind of become one-dimensional, and then it was over. It just spiraled. I mean, you didn't you didn't score, and they got it back, and they scored, and then it's over. I mean, it happened quickly. But when when you're having to score every time you get the ball, man, that's tough. That's tough, and I mean, you, we saw this in, two, in 2020, right, when, when Ole Miss was a pretty good offensive team and they still went 5-5, five and five and it was because they couldn't stop people. They couldn't get the damn defense off the field, and I think we're back to that right now. I mean, 35 first downs, 500 yards of offense. Yeah, the, like that. the bad punt was on Ole Miss's second third-quarter series. The first one was uh, – that Casey Kelly drop on third down when yeah, they had the three point he, lead. And if they had, they called it, it would have been, you know, the first down around the LSU 47, 48 yard line, something like that. And here's the thing, right? You say, well, get Kelly off the field. Well, there's no one to play for him right now. Trigg's not out there. He's not ready. You say, well, go to four wide receivers. Well, they don't have the three that they can count on. Because there was like Robinson's no day weight at all today, wasn't it? I mean, he was on special teams and, and stuff, but no, he really wasn't part of the offense. And um, Jalen Robinson didn't play, or he was out there, but he didn't play. And I mean, you know, none of these Buck Halter, none of these other guys that I mean, I think they'd hoped would develop. None of those guys have developed. None of those guys have have contributed. So you, you're kind of anemic. I mean, worst case scenario moving forward is you're an injury or two on offense away from being really bogged down there as well. I mean, this thing. I mean, they need to get to the open date. I mean, there's nothing – they would jump at a win over A&M in the open date right now just to try to get healthy a little bit because it kind of feels like – kind of feels like they're on the ropes some, just health-wise. And those were the only injuries. It looked like Malik Malik ended up being okay. Don't about yeah, I mean, assuming assuming that Jackson's okay there at the end, and he kind of got bent funny. I was like, oh gosh, I was looking right at it when it happened because I wouldn't have had him on the field that last drive. I would have I would have waved the towel, but they they were they were trying to score there at the end. Um, yeah, I mean, I think other than that, other than probably you, you know your normal bumps and bruises and stuff, they got out okay. What's your guess on line here based on an A and M loss or a win in this game? A and M minus three and a half. Okay. Either way. Field. I mean, yeah, A and M. Yeah, I mean, A and M minus two and a half, minus three, three and a half, somewhere in there. Home, they'll get a home field edge, and nobody knows what to make of Ole Miss at this point. Haynes King playing quarterback for A and M tonight. 
Yeah, Ole Miss, you know, in Vegas, people will look at Ole Miss now and go 25-point loss. They're not very good. A&M, I mean, Vegas might sort of set the set the line to – might even set it as a bigger line to get people to – Jump know, a little. Beats me. To jump a little. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what – if you're betting on Ole Miss right now, you're 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 betting that they're healthy enough on defense to stop people. Yeah, I mean, look, and I was I was going to say a minute ago. I mean, you know, you got to remember that the first half of that Vanderbilt game was was alarming, and this second, well, the final three quarters of the Auburn game defensively were alarming, and here we go with three more quarters today that have to be pretty alarming. That's a lot of alarm for a defense over the better part of a month in SEC play. That's that's a concern. Yeah. I mean, as they point out, yeah, off the wide receiver position, you've got so many misses. I mean, Jalen Knox, during his his year where he transferred, we heard all this stuff. And, I mean, just complete and utter non-factor, whether it be injuries or yeah. whatever it is, Jalen Robinson doesn't exist. I mean, it's yeah. – it's, No, I mean, it's, it's – it's, it's, listen, it's, it's worth – we're two-thirds of the way through a season here, and Jalen Robinson's not been a factor. When they signed – when they got him, it was – I mean – in, it was inside the program. It wasn't outside the program. It was inside the program. How oh, what a big deal he was! I mean, this was this was going to be the, the the Elijah Moore replacement, the poor man's Elijah Moore. He was going to be this this impactful guy. It hasn't happened. We heard all that stuff about Knox. That people said, "Where's that come from?" It comes from the program. We don't make that up. We're not at practice. I'm not the one going. Jalen Knox is dominating practice. The people inside the program are saying that. So you have to wonder, well, what, what's the deal? Why can't he go? Why can't he contribute? I mean, I mean they, you know, uh, uh, Burkhalter, Braylon Brown. I mean, ooh, you got to wonder, I mean, just how, many, how much portal activity is there going to be at the end of this season? My guess is quite a bit. Because, look, if you can't contribute, you can't stay. But at some point, you do have to ask the question, if multiple guys aren't developing, at some point – there's a theme. Mm-hmm. Last thing, how big was uh, that win for Mr. Freeze today? BPYU 41 to 14. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, that's that's big. Yeah, obviously. Li- um, Liberty routed no, Rutgers today. Yeah, you know, BYU is taking some L's here late. They played Baylor well early in the season, and I think we, we all kind of overvalued them. They gave up what fifty-two last week to Arkansas, and it could have been could have been seventy-two, according to some people who saw it. I didn't see it, um, but yeah, good, good, good for Hugh. I mean, he's positioning himself to be a contender for this Auburn job if he can just get off Twitter. <laughs> That's an if. It's a big if. Yeah, I mean, you know, just saying. Oh my God. I'd look a lot younger if I had a head full of hair. Yeah, I mean, you you can get another gig now if you get down to one sixty five. Oh, yeah, maybe so. So, all right, I know you gotta. You probably still have to navigate a little traffic out of Baton Rouge, don't you? I mean, I don't know. I'm curious to see what it. I would think it's cleared out. People were clearing out eight nine minutes to go, so maybe it maybe it'll be generally cleared out here when I walk to my car. That's my hope. Did you see your Commodores almost got it done? No, what was the score? I mean, I'm assuming he's right. I asked the Missouri fan in our thread, Adam. He said Missouri won 17-14. Oh, gosh, how about that? My boy, Clark, almost got it. Almost no, got I, it. Didn't, uh, I didn't see. 
I, I really just kind of locked in on this game and wrote and was trying to be efficient. So I, I did not pay attention to really anything else. Yeah. So. All right. Well, appreciate it. Be safe coming in. We'll uh, do it on Monday. All right. Thanks, Jason. See you. McCready there with us on the uh, Raptors Music and Food Hotline. Yeah, had I known the Vanderbilt game was doing that, I would have turned it on there at the end. I was not aware of that. I saw they got like the strip sack touchdown or whatever, but that was all I saw from the Commodores. Oh, Missouri up 17-0 and scored zero points in the second half. Wow. Yeah, you kind of feel bad for Bandy on that one. All right, number back up. Any guys you want to give a few more minutes. Anybody wants to call for a uh, a little bit here at the end of the show. Thanks to Jeffrey, Neil, and Brian for their time. Go over stats real quick while uh, waiting to see if anybody wants to talk. Neil mentioned it. Jackson Dart, 19 of 34, 284. Completed 56% of his passes. Yeah, I mean, look, from a Dart standpoint, you'd like for him to be a little more consistent from a completion percentage standpoint. And that was all in the first half. I mean, they scored no points in the second half. So it's impossible to read this thing as it is into totality because it was completely different. He throws for 200 and change in the first half when they were good. They scored 20 points. They're on pace for 40. And then it's just a nothing burger from that point. But he does go uh, 19 of 34. Jordan Watkins completed that one pass on the throwback when they had the penalty or whatever. So four yards in uh, in that one. Yeah, I think you want A and M to lose. If yeah, the question in the thread. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. Um, Judkins ends up going. I did not realize he ended up doing that. He goes 25 from 111. So Judkins at 111. That's another 100 yard gain. That is his fifth. Is that right? Fourth or fifth already. Again, the career mark for Ole Miss, 14. That's Deuce McAllister in his career. So Judkins, over, maybe over a third of the way there through his first uh, eight games there with 111. Again, he gets 25 touches and a long of 18. Averages 4.4 per carry. Dart, just nothing on the ground. 10 carries, 6 yards. Had a couple runs that were very critical, but um, that was it. Yeah, Judkins, two touchdowns. He leads the country in multiple uh, touchdowns per game, or in, in, in a game with multiple touchdowns. Sorry, let's put it that way. There into uh, into that one. Dart, nothing again. 10 carries, 6 yards. Had a long of 10, if that tells you anything. But again, sacks count as rushing yards losses in college football, passing yard losses in the NFL. Uh, Dayton Wade, the one jet sweep, one carry for 2 yards, and then Bentley got the one carry for negative 3 yards in that one. Malik Heath, a really big day. He gets 10 targets, 8 catches for their 10 targets, 145 yards. The long of 31 for uh, him. 10 targets to Malik Heath. Jordan Watkins, 8 targets. Turns those into 5 for 57. Mingo, 4 for 69 and an 8. Not a, uh, not a great day for Mingo. That one pass, though, looming large because had Jackson hit him, that would have been a 75-yard uh, touchdown catch. In, uh, in that one, and then Judkins catches the ball twice for 13 yards, and uh, Bentley, the one catch for four yards. Jaden Daniels goes 21 of 28, 248, two touchdowns, completes 75% of his passes. Um, Jaden Daniels also leading rusher. He had a huge day on the ground, 23 for 121, but only along a seven 
uh, 17. So he uh, he was great on the ground. He was dynamic. Uh, Williams goes 17 for 76. And then Goodwin goes 8 for 55. And then Butte goes 4 for 43 to lead LSU. They had a lot of guys catch passes. They had eight different people catch passes. But it was not uh, about the receiving core for LSU. It just wasn't. I mean, Butte played okay. But it was the run game. It was Daniels doing a little bit of everything. That's what won the game here for LSU. Again, 45 to 20 over the Rebels in uh, in this one. Yeah, look, Dart played well. He was a gamer. A couple throws that you really get back. I mean, it's even in a 45-20 game, it's a game where if two things go differently. I mean, you look at it just twice, and it's a deal where you get the 75-yard pass to Mingo, that's a touchdown, and then the interception that does anything else. I mean, it's two totally different things. Who's on the call? Hey, Chase, it's Bill Pringle. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. I I just I know this has probably been asked, and I, I watched the game. I I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Watched the game. I'm actually at dinner, but I, I knew the podcast was going on. I just really wanted to get your thoughts on just a defensive scheme today. Like, we were watching it at a bar and, like, couldn't really get the, the vibe of what we were doing on defense. I feel like we just weren't getting pressure on the quarterback, and I feel like that should have been something we should have emphasized a ton, but – I just I, I wanted to ask about that honestly. Whether Where are you? Uh, talked about it or not here. Where are you at dinner? I am at a place called True Food actually. So it's actually a little healthier. So I, we were okay. at a, a bar called Doghouse in Nashville. Ate some ate some not super healthy food there and decided you know I need a I need to ramp up on the healthy healthiness in the weekend. So now we're at this place called True Food. Great food. I'm getting I'm eating a uh, pesto. Tomato pasta right now is actually pretty good. If you um, put the good food on top of the crap food, somehow that makes you feel better, even though you still had the crap food. It's like I got a buddy who, if he goes to a barbecue restaurant, he'll order the chicken with the ribs because, in his mind, that makes it healthy because he had the ribs, but he had the chicken too. So it helps a little bit, like no, mentally. It's a it's, it's no, a thing. That that is literally the exact thought process I had. I had a chicken quesadilla at this place called Doghouse. Chicken quesadilla was great. I'm not going to lie. I, I think it was a little – it was kind of healthy, too. But I, I kind of loaded it up with some sour cream on top. And so I got done with the, the Ole Miss game. I'm like, you know, I, I really need to healthify it right now. So my girlfriend's mm-hmm. like, oh, let's, go to, let's go to True Food. So we went, went down here, got the pesto pasta. Now I'm kind of like, okay, I'm back on track. Can start the week on a good note. Sunday morning, can go to the grocery. I'm like, okay, I feel good about myself right now. I'm not going yeah. to wake up Sunday and be like, oh, my gosh, I ate – X in this, but you know, I don't know. That that that's my thought. So I have the same thought as you, Trash, honestly. So the deal is, and we talked about it the whole show, Ole Miss has not shown workable depth. They have injuries in a couple different spots. You had Troy Brown go out, you had AJ Finley go out. And what we don't know, but what makes sense is does Ole Miss think that not sending pressure and not sending many blitzes is simply their best method for stopping the offense? Or is it they do not believe they have the ability to win those one-on-one matchups that create pressure and create stops and actually get the quarterback? Because through two and a half quarters, the problem was when they blitzed, they didn't get there. So when you don't get there, it's just giving Daniels even more opportunities with his arm and his feet to make things happen. You know what I mean? I mean, at the end of the no, day, it's I, about I guys great one-on-ones. And if you don't win one-on-ones, you're just going to get beat on defense. And so that was my thing. It was it was more so watching the game. I was like, you know, 
let's put all our eggs in the basket of let's 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 have our cornerbacks or safeties let's let's let them have the matchups and if they lose the matchups so what let's let's send pressure and then as the game progressed i i thought the same thing i was like we're not winning the matchups when we're sending pressure so i i don't, I, I, I i agree with you i don't know if it's it's it, if if the scheme was the problem because like when we did send pressure we weren't getting there or whether or not the the scheme we were sending, whether it was three down, four down, or sending a blitz off the right or left side, it was it was effective. But it was it was just frustrating because I was like, ah, I feel like we have the guys to 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 stop this LSU offense because I really didn't think they were doing anything crazy or any, anything that was like, oh my gosh, this quarterback is beating us in so many different ways. It's like he's going to run the ball or check the ball down, and when he tried to make the big throw whether or not it was um, over the top or like some of those go on, go on fade routes that he threw, like he wasn't completing those passes. So that was what I was like frustrated about. I was like, dang, it's, it's very, it's not, I wouldn't say one dimensional, one dimensional, but it was definitely like, Oh my gosh. Like this is, this is frustrating to watch because I, again, I'm not a defensive coordinator. I don't know what they were calling up, but I was like, dang, we, I feel like we could figure it out with the guys we have to make to where we could stop this situation i don't know that was that was my opinion look the way it's built there are a lot of guys that need to be really good for almost to be successful defensively jj pegee cedric johnson they need certain things out of Corey coleman tashim johnson and when you look at them individually into their matchups today with that list of guys the only one where you said yeah he absolutely held his own was deontre prince that was it Everywhere else, yeah, no, they, I, they, they, they didn't get it. Completely done. agree. No, I completely uh, agree. I think it was definitely like a, I don't know, just just disappointing overall. And I, it, it's again, I, I, I don't want to go to the homer card, but again, like I've been an Ole Miss fan my whole life, and just like feeling like this is the game that like we win, and we're, I feel like we're we're gonna get eleven wins if we win today. Like it's 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 like it's there. It's like you beat A and M. You beat Arkansas, you beat State, you get 11 wins, and then you have the Arkansas game in Oxford, like or Alabama game in Oxford. And I don't know. It, it's just I feel like I feel like it's more of a, an emotional feel right now. But yeah, I just wanted to call in. I, obviously, cool. I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't checked in uh, tonight since the, the the pod went live today. But um, just wanted to check in. But I appreciate your time, Chase. Yep, absolutely. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the pasta. We'll talk soon. Appreciate it, bud. Just a reminder, I think we'll have the old school uh, show next week for A&M. Neil not going to College Station, so we will both be in studio for Hand Raise Guys next weekend after A&M and Ole Miss, just heads up. So, no, it's a night game, but it will look like, I mean, I guess, I haven't actually talked about this, but I would assume, I don't know why it wouldn't be, we will have a, uh, a normal show like uh, 2021 for you next week for Hand Raise Guys, just FYI. Alabama up on Mississippi State 24 to nothing right now. I think that's at the half. And then AM has scored and gotten the conversion 17-14 South Carolina right now over Texas AM. The Aggies certainly making a charge. Carolina got some early points kind of gifted to them. Total yards 210 to 69 in favor of AM. Jesus. 210 to 69, even though they're down three. So if you're an AM fan, you probably feel okay. That you sort of withstood the bullet a little bit, and it'll it'll be all right. That's my guess. 
Now, look, there's there's the argument that, yeah, I mean, the wide receiver is not taking that step. You're talking about Brown. You're talking about Burkhalter. Again, then whatever's going on, Robinson, Nix, or not Nix, uh, Knox. I mean, it's a it's a – it's a bit of a mess on what you thought was at least possible from that unit. I mean, you knew you were replacing so much with Sanders and Drummond and those guys gone, but it does not look like what you thought. And you're getting more than maybe you expected out of Mingo and Heat. I mean, those two guys have been really, really good. I mean, it truly has. Yeah, South Carolina dropping a pass. I mean, the Gamecocks are not are, are not good. Uh, J.J. Henry is another one. I mean, not not a target. I don't know if he played today. Not really sure at all what that looked like. But that was, uh, yeah, that was less as well today. Line's still open. Anybody wants to call, it is there. 662-259-7556. Yeah, I thought the Butte catch was was uncatchable, too. I, I thought that pass interference was, was not catchable. There were a couple calls that I thought really affected the game. When it was still a game that that were they were they were incorrect. Uh, they they got the Mingo pass interference when right because he did he engaged before he could there and the ball was not thrown behind the line of scrimmage. But I thought that ball was uncatchable down the right sideline in the end zone, and then that rough in the passer was just a ridiculous call. Ole Miss did get bailed out a little bit that they correctly overturned the targeting call early in the game when Daniels basically dove and rolled into the defender with his head. I mean, that would have been one of the worst targeting calls of all time. But you've seen crazier things happen. So, All right, kind of last chance. Anybody wants to call? Again, 662-259-7556. I feel like I'm talking about myself. I'm kind of exhausted most talking points. It's kind of hard to this far into it, it's hard to just continue to say the same thing over and over again. Um, Neil has content up at rebelgrove.com. I've got observations up. We'll have a normal week of podcast, and then what you guys know is a normal post-game show next week, both of us in studio for uh, for that one. I appreciate all the chatter. been a lot of guys on the stream. A lot of you guys hung in despite the tough loss tonight, so I thank you for that. South Carolina drops a touchdown. Would have been a tough catch, but he Hits him in the chest and he drops it there for uh, for that one. So, yeah, good lord is uh, is is right. I mean that's terrible. That's a good point about MJ Daniels. We haven't seen him either. I mean he's still young. I think they do have hopes for him, but it's not been a quick uh, transition into uh, into this. Ten and two's on the table. Now you're going to win some coin flips. Kind of get better quickly starting with next week. So I'm saying, I, I, one game in college football is just so hard to take. Whatever, I mean, it is. It's just, it's just too much. Who's on the yeah. call? Good lord, is uh, is is right. Turn your device down. Okay. Guess they didn't want to talk. Called and then hung up. I don't know. Okay. Nine and three would be a very respectable season if that's where it turns out. There's no doubt about that. Well, 13 linebackers on the roster. Oh, I mean, I don't know if scholarship, but that's interesting. So, no, look, there's nothing about today that said 10 wins. But, again, college football's dumb. You have teams get routed all the time, and the next week they come back and play well. Because the other team has the chance to look stupid, too, in matchups. That's the thing. And that happens a ton with 
with this. I mean, it happens a lot. And, you know, you look at A&M. I mean, A&M hadn't been able to carry its tail with both hands at times, and yet going next week, Ole Miss, looks come, it looks bad coming off their loss too. So who knows? Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll see. So anyway, okay, we'll uh, let's go ahead. And we'll cut it there again. Appreciate you guys. Y'all guys hung in. We're good troopers tonight. As uh, Ole Miss loses forty-five to twenty, getting outscored twenty-eight nothing in the second half in this one. So coverageribblegrove.com. Normal week of podcasts coming up as well. So enjoy the second half of A&M in South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi State. The West Coast games, if you still need more football after what's going on today, and I will talk to you again on Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.